today, so uh, bear with me. I've been gone all week. I've been in Richmond, Virginia uh, this week, and I've got the opportunity to serve as a trustee for the IMB, which is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you need to know this. Uh, Do you know that 6% of every dollar that we give, we set aside and send to what we call the cooperative program? where we, as a Southern Baptist church, join together with Southern Baptist churches all over the nation, and we support uh, several different entities. If you drive through the parking lot, you'll see that we have a disaster relief uh, vehicle out in the parking lot. I get turned around sometimes. Maybe it's out that way. Um, and, And that's a ministry that Southern Baptists support all over the world or all over the nation. So if a disaster comes, one of our groups of men, our group of men, they go and, and serve. Well, the IMB is another organization that we support, and it's the mission arm of our, of our denomination, where we send out missionaries all over the world. And did you, did you know that our church is, is very much a part of, of supporting over 5,000 missionaries around the world, and they're fully funded? They don't have to go and raise support. They don't have to uh, worry about their, their funding. We support them. And do you know what I did on, on Wednesday night? And I'm just wound up about it. I, I, there's a couple from our area, this part of, of Oklahoma, northeast Oklahoma, that are about to move husband and wife and five children to a Muslim country that is very much in the midst of persecution for the purpose of sharing the gospel with that people group. And I just, Wednesday night, me and Doug Melton, the pastor at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, we gathered around them and laid our hands on them and prayed for them. Lord, protect them. And here, this young couple bravely is going to share the gospel in a, in, a, in a place with their children that uh, is a real threat to their, their safety. But, but you know what? You know what he said? I've got a heart for the nations. The nations need to know Jesus. And, and, and I've, I've been convicted of how little I have been praying for these missionaries. And, and I want you to know I have repented of that in my life. And, and, and I, I have, you know, in my own heart, I have a pretty big passion for evangelism. And for me, going to this, hang out with these missionaries that are going around the world was like gas on a, a flame that was already lit. And it's like roaring in my heart. You know, we're responsible as believers, and I love it that we as a church are embracing that responsibility like we did today of, of praying for these families, um, of, of supporting the work of God in the world. Because God is at work in the world, folks. God's at work in this world, in where we live, where we're planted. And, and you know, when, when God's people get serious about supporting the work of God, and, and hear this, supernatural things happen. I mean, big things happen. 
And, 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 you know, we've been in this study in the book of Acts, and it's a really cool study because it's where the church began. Honestly, we came out of this. This church in Owasso, Oklahoma, is a, an offshoot of these churches that we've been studying in the book of Acts. And, and you know, as we, as we process the, the book of Acts and these churches that have been started, we're kind of going to do a little time out today. And, and really look at, at what God has done here and what God is doing here at this missionary work. I mean, I mean, Paul's missionary journeys, he was going out as a missionary to share the gospel. People were saved and they started churches. Do you know that's what happened here in Owasso, Oklahoma? You know what this is? This is the first church record of this church. Carl Worley gave this to me when... When I, he said, I want you to have this. It's been in my, my house. And Carl Worley is the, the only living uh, charter member of First Baptist Owasso. And in 1947, this group of people got this book, and they got together and they said, right there, we're going to join this church, and we're going to start a work here. You know what happened a couple of years ago? Chad and I were hanging out right here in this worship center, and, and this, uh, these three ladies walk in the door. And as they walk in, we're, we're, I don't know what we're doing. We're working on something in this room. And they walk in, and they're like, hey, how's it going? Um, uh, and we're like, can we help you? Because it was in the middle of the week. And, and um, they said, yeah, we, we, our dad just died, um, and our dad was the pastor at First Baptist, Sperry, who had a vision to start this church. Can you walk us around and just tell us what God's doing? And we walked them around the whole building, and we stopped what we were doing, and we said, yeah, let us tell you what we're doing. And at that point, we had just started praying about Calvary, about starting a second campus. And as we stood there and talked to them, they just started crying. They're standing there going, I cannot believe all that God is doing in this place. And then they were blown away at the work of God. And let's, let's think about what's, what's gone on. You know, in the last several years, God, is, God has really taken us to a new, new level, honestly. And when I think about, about this, you know, seven years ago, before I came as your pastor, before I even got here, do you know that this church paid off this 20 acres that we sit on right here? I mean, 20 acres of land that God led us to, and, and it's brilliant of Sam's to follow us out here to this plot of land, and it was great of them to do that. And, um, and, and you know, we got here first, and, and it, was, it was awesome to see how the Lord has blessed this place and where God has planted us. God led us to here. You know, when we first moved out here, some people were like, well, why are we moving way out there on 96th Street? And, and look at what has happened. And, and then, you know, the Lord has been at work in our lives and in our church. And, and, and you know, we, we had this heart to, the, the, before, like in 2008, we had this vision for the mission. Let's start this work to help people around here. And, and, and there's some people that just started this from our church. And, and then our church jumped on board and said, you know, it's a work of God. Let's join this. And then, then you know, the Lord has, has led us to 10 acres of land 
uh, off Garnett, and here we are in the middle of, of launching this work of God, helping people in our community. We, we built a $2 million building, have 10 acres of land north of us, and, and, and now people are hearing the gospel that have needs, and, and we're supporting this. And then the Lord has, has entrusted us with this work to be a church that helps people where they, where they, where they need help, and then he's opened the door for us to move into Tulsa. Do you believe that? That God would entrust us to this work? And can I remind us that, that, that the purpose statement of our, of our church is that, is that we're to love all people to Christ, equipping them on their journey with God and one another. And, and, I, and I want us to know that, that God has moved us to, to, to support his work in this place. And, and, and the Lord is at work in our lives. And, and you know... It's interesting, we're, we're continuing as a church to see people saved and baptized, kids saved, adults saved, and, and, and peop, lives being changed, and, and the Lord is at work, and, and, and good things are happening. We're doing pretty good. But, but you know what? That's why today's so important. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure when I read the Bible and as I looked at the need in the world, as I looked at the need in, in this weekend, Friday night, my Maggie and Robin and I stopped to help a young lady on the, that had car trouble right here in this town. And she, we, we, got, we started sharing the gospel with her, and she's like, no, no, I've never, I grew up around here, but I don't, I don't really believe that. Yesterday, I sat at a tennis tournament all day next to, and I sat next to a lady that my daughter was playing, and She's a professor, grew up here in this area. Yeah, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I don't really follow Jesus. I don't, yeah. And see, there's much work to be done. And folks, I want, I want to tell you that we're pretty good. But, but when I read the Bible and I look at where God's planted us and I look at the needs in the world and lead the needs right here in, in Owasso and, and in Collinsville and where God has planted us in Tulsa and, and I look at the needs in our state and as I watch the news and feel the burden of my heart of, of people around us and I see the needs around the world, uh, God hasn't called us to good. God has called us be faithful. And the question that I can't get away from today is, are we faithful? And if you have your Bibles, we're, we're going to move out of Acts for a second. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 25. And, and you know what? Jesus had this habit of using stories called parables. Parables when he taught. A parable, what's a parable? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus, as, as he was um, teaching, and Matthew records this, it, the context of Matthew 25 is really found in Matthew 24, because Matthew 24, verse 1, the disciples look at Jesus and they say, hey, tell us about the end of the world. Tell us about what's going to happen when the end comes. And then Jesus goes through this series of parables. He tells a parable of, of virgins. He tells the parable of the talents, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And, and he's explaining this is what it's going to be like at the end when the master comes, when God comes back, when the world has no more time left. 
And folks, I'll be honest with you, that it's, it's, there's going to come a moment when the world has no time left. And the parable of the virgins is basically this, this earthly story saying, hey, don't miss the party. Don't miss it. Don't, don't miss the, the, the kingdom of God that is coming one day. And, and people can miss it. Don't miss it. The parable of the talents, is, as you look at Matthew 25, it's basically summarized as, hey, don't waste it. Don't waste what you've been given. The parable of the sheep and the goats is, is basically saying, hey, look, as when the master comes back, he expects us to take care of those that are needy and those that are hurting. Now, this morning, um, we're going to turn our, our, our face to the parable of the talents, that second story that, that Jesus talked about. And so would you stand with me and let's read God's word together. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, it says this, For it, now that it is like the end of the time, end of the world, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and at the coming I should have received what was, own, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For, every, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. As I look at the story, as I look at this earthly story with heavenly meaning, I I want you to recognize the, the, the call I have as your pastor. As as your pastor, I am held accountable to how I prepare you for the coming of the Lord. 
And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I want to be faithful with that calling. I want, I, I want to be faithful with the calling I have to stand in front of you as, your, as one of your pastors, and I'm just one of them. Our pastors are called to prepare you for, the, for that meeting with God. And folks, the Bible is very clear. One day we will stand before God. And if you have your notes, I pray you take them today. Point number one is this. Do you know that we are involved in kingdom business? That's what we're involved in. We are called to kingdom business. This is why I love what, what's happening tomorrow. There, there are many of us who are, who are going to go to work tomorrow with a missionary mentality if you're a part of follower of one. And I hope you check that out in the life of our church. But, but we are challenging people to, to go to work tomorrow on a, on, a, on a work mission experience. And you ought to check that out. We've been talking about it for a little while. It's been in the worship guide. But I want us to recognize that we are, in call, we are called the kingdom business. Look back at 14, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on his journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another each according to his ability. Um, to another one, excuse me, to each according to his own ability. And then he went away. You know what's interesting is God has entrusted to us a work. And he's entrusted to us. And what's interesting about these, these guys that receive the talents, a talent is a sum of money, uh, and Jesus is using this as an example. It's, it's about a million dollars according to this biblical time. And, and, and basically God has said, look, I've entrusted you with this work. And, and, and the one with five talents is like, okay, thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and, and, and be responsible with this work. The one with two talents says, I'm going to go and be responsible. The one with one, I'm going to go keep it. You know, it's interesting, you don't see these guys looking at each other going, well, why, why does he have five and I have two? They, they don't do that. They're, they just go, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do with what I've been given. I'm going to be responsible with what I've been given. And, and, and you know the story, it goes on, and, and the one takes his talent, the, the, the multiple talent people, they, they invest it and, and they, they, they utilize it and, they, and they, they put it to work and they're responsible with it. The one with one goes and buries it. And I think the point here is obvious that, that every one of us have specific gifts. You have specific gifts. I have specific gifts. This is important too. Do you know that as a congregation, we have specific gifts? We have gifts together and corporately that we're held accountable before and for. And, and I want us to realize that every gift is important. Every gift is important. Whether you're a multi-talent person, um, uh, um, a, a five-talent person, a two-talent person, or a one-talent person, every gift has value. And this is important. And, you know, when I think about what God has entrusted us, years ago God entrusted men like Carl Worley and Earl Spicklemeyer, who is a member of our church and right here on the front row, and, and, and Earl and Ruthie are are, have been here a long time. I think Moses joined right before them. Uh, uh, but, but I'll tell you, we stand on their shoulders. And you know, when I look at them, I, I, I have so much admiration for them because they've been faithful. And, and from a Kwanzaa hut, that first Baptist church, and now where they would talk about water coming down and they'd get their feet wet when they'd come to church. 
And now here we are expanding. And I'll tell you, I, I think it's an amazing to see, and I'm, I'm humbled at the responsibility that we've been given. And I don't want to waste it. Golly, I don't want to waste it. You know, second point I think is obvious in this passage. You know that our master is returning. Our master's returning. You know this, right? The, the, I mean, right there, verse 19. So a long time, the master of those servants came, and he settled accounts with them. You know, I, I think about that, and, and it's our job to, to, to not ignore that reality that, that the master is returning, and, 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 and he, he, he tells them that, that the first mass, the first talent, verse 20, the, the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I've been, have five more. In verse 22, the one who had given two talents came forward, saying, Hey, Master, I've made two talents. Here, here's two talents more. Now, of course, these guys came forward. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I know what that feels like. For example, um, I remember when my wife says, hey, I'm going out of town, Chris. You've got the kids. And, and what happens often when I have the kids at home, the house becomes a wrecking ball. I mean, it's amazingly disheveled. I mean, I mean, it's crazy when you look at the house. And, 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 and there have been times that, that I hadn't gotten the house clean when, when she got home, and it was like, uh-oh, row, row, you know, uh, shaggy. And, um, and, but, but the times that, that, that I've gotten the house ready and she's gotten home, I'm like, hey, babe, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. I'm so glad you're home. Hey, Jerry, what do you think? I made the bed. <laughs> yep, I did. Put the pillows just like you put them. I mean, what in the world with the pillows? I don't understand the pillows. <laughs> when I got married, I mean, when I got married, we were like, I remember registering. She's like, do you want the paisley or do you want the flowers? And I was like, what about Dallas Cowboys? Or, or like, you know, no, it wasn't an option. And I remember going, I had to clean the kitchen. I did the dishes. And I was so proud to go, look, look what I did. I'm such a good husband. These, these servants, when the ma- they were ready to meet the master. And here's what I want us to ask. When, when Jesus comes, are we going to be like, master, I, I can't wait to show you. Oh, that's the way we got to be. I want to meet the master going, Master, hey, cook, I, I can't wait for you to see what happened and what we did and how we served you. But the one talent guy had a different experience. There's a question for us. I want to ask you, you to ask a question. Are you a faithful steward? Are you faithful? Are we faithful stewards together? Because the text goes on and he says, the one who had the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you you to be a hard man. Look at this, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. I was afraid and I went and hid the talent in in the ground. Here you have what is yours. His master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You know, know, that's not the way we are called to meet the Lord when we stand before him. And and it's it's an important question for us to ask. God, am I being faithful 
with what you've given to me. And, and you know, right now, um, we are working on our next steps as a church. You know, tonight at 5 o'clock, we have a, a meeting with our finance team and our personnel team. We're, we're working, we've been working for months on our next year's budget for a church and evaluating the, 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 the resources that God has entrusted to us at Calvary, at, at the mission, and, and, and the work we're doing here, and, 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 and where God is moving us as a church. And as I think about it, this question, this, this time that we are in, it's time to really evaluate our next steps. Now, you know, there's, um, I pray that every one of us in this moment ask the Lord, Lord, are we faithful? You know, when I, when I think about what God is doing in our lives, it's been good. It's been good. I mean, we as a church have experienced something that very few churches experience. We just built a $2.5 million building and paid cash for it. We, have, um, we are financially in a very strong place as a church. We are on track to meet the budget that we set for last year. And in fact, uh, we were tied about a year, a little over a year ago, and and we were like, okay, man, we were $250,000 behind budget a year and a half ago. And we started praying. And, and in the, from, you know, I, you know I'm, not the, I'm not the best at details. That's why I have detailed people around me. But, but after we started praying in August, starting in September, October of last year, we saw one of the biggest shifts we've ever seen. And we ended the year... 7% in the surplus after being $250,000 behind after we started praying. And I'll tell you, God has blessed us and been moving in our church. And I, and I want you to know we are in a good spot. But the question is not are we good, are we faithful? And because here's, here's something, sometimes good is the enemy of great, isn't it? Sometimes we can be good and, 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 and sometimes we're fearful about stepping out into the unknown and stepping out into a place where it's difficult. But isn't fear the enemy of faith? Not doubt. Doubt's not the enemy of faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. Now, here's what I want us to be careful of as a church. Sometimes we, um, we highlight the great things that are going on in our church, and we should. We should highlight the great things going on in our church. But it's easy to focus on the antidotes and miss the statistics. And we've been doing some statistics. And I'll be honest with you, these statistics have have convicted me, and I want to share them with you. 
So let me, I want you to see this graphic. And I'm going to go up here by the little TV. And, um, you know, 3,400 people call First Baptist Owasso their church home. 3,400 people will say, this is my home church. And, you know, we're busy. It seems that we're a multi-talent church. Because when you look at the things that God leads us to do, if you average out all the things that we do, you could come up with, we have 3.4 events on average every day in a calendar year. If you average out all the events that we do as a church, it numbers to 3.4 events a day. Now, you know what's interesting about this? That all of this, I want you to see what this graphic does next. See these green people that that represents? 16% of the people who call First Baptist Church home. From our, now we don't know all the, the detailed statistics, but from our, our, oh, well, we know a lot, but, but 16% of people actually tithe at our church. It's a guess on that because I don't know what everybody makes or, and I don't go through and look at what everybody's giving records are. As a pastor, I don't, I don't do that. I choose not to. But, but I'll tell you, we, 16%, let me say this another way, and I want you to, to move that graphic. What this really means is that 16% uh, financially support everything we do. And, and it's dawned on me that, that, yeah, we're good. But let this sink in. 16% financially support everything we do. And I, I just keep thinking about what could we send? What could we do in this community? If we grew up financially, you know, and I want you to know, we're not, I don't want to buy a jet airplane, I can tell you that, because I ain't no way I'm going to be held accountable to the Lord for that. But we, we've got work to do. You know what? Um, I wonder if that's being faithful. And if I'm going to prepare you as a pastor, i got to get in front of you and say, now if you're a guest today, I, I want you to know um, we are in a strong place and we don't need your money. But, but God has called us to learn to be 
to, to see all of our stuff as his. James Callison is on our church council and is overseeing our campus development team and is in this room somewhere. He gave me a book called Bounty. And in that book, it makes a statement, I've never met a former tither. Because I'll tell you, when you start giving to the Lord, you'll never stop. So here's the challenge. And I want to challenge you. And I want to challenge us. The challenge is to systematically move to the 10, 10, 80 lifestyle. Here's what I mean by that. As a church, we're, we're, we're striving to model this because I really believe that we as a church should set the example for the way our families should live. So you ought to at least move to that 10% giving. You know, you might say, oh, Chris, uh, don't be legalistic. That's a legalistic number. Okay, you start praying and ask God, and, and what you'll find is 10% is a good place to start, but he will move you rapidly beyond that if you start. Uh, just, just try it. You, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get like, oh, I got to give to this. Oh, my goodness. Um, we already as a church body give over 10% to people that we don't keep for ourselves. We give over that. 6% goes to the cooperative program. 3% goes to FBCO direct missions. And 1% of every dollar you give goes to the Tulsa Baptist Network where we help support smaller churches around us. But then we give to the mission and we give all kinds of other ways. So we give well in excess of 10% as a church. Give it away. We don't keep it for ourselves. But we're also moving to a 10% savings you know, we're working as a church and systematically in our budget, uh, moving a percentage every year. Uh, last year, we were, we were putting aside 4.5%, and we are next year proposing that we've set aside 5.5%, that we set aside for future development, future giving, future projects. And I'll tell you, in your life, if you really move to this, and, and we're, the way we're tackling this is we're going a percentage a year until we get to that 10%. Why, why don't you consider that, that 10% giving, 10% savings, and then when you look at 80% of our budget, that's what we're striving to live on. If you did that in your home, you would eliminate most of your conflicts as a couple. If you said we're going to give 10 we're going to save 10, and we're going to live on 80%. The problem in the United States is most people live on 110% of their income. And so my, my challenge to us, here's my challenge to you, and I hope you write these down. First challenge is this. Would you pray as a family about your giving to the Lord? When's the last time you sat with your kids? You know what the statistics say? That the younger generation has not learned to tithe. They don't tithe. Guess where, we, guess where I learned to tithe? My dad, who was a teacher and a coach, and you know they make a lot of money. This was before the raise that they got. 
And my mom was a dental hygienist. And, and people would sit down with my parents, the people that did their taxes, they said, I cannot believe you give so much. And my mom and dad, just a coach and a dental hygienist, set an example for me of, hey, Chris, you ought to, you ought to not miss that. And, and you know what, moms and dads, grandparents, when's the last time you sat down with your kids and said, let's pray about what we are to give for the kingdom of God? Can I challenge you with this? Take a step towards 10% giving. If you start looking at this and you may discover you're not at 10%, take a step towards it. We're taking a step towards 10% savings. What would it look like for you as a follower of Christ to take a step towards 10% giving? Try it. Pray about it. Go to the Lord and ask Him what you are to do. See, that's our call, right? Lord, what do you want me to do? And then get ready for that Hey, Master, look at this moment. I mean, don't you want to meet the Lord like that? Master, Master, look at this. Look at what we got to do for your kingdom. I can't tell you how moved, I can't describe for you how moved I was. Our staff has been like, okay, Chris is wired up, isn't he? Oh, man, I'm wired up today. This missionary. That is like, okay, I mean, goodness. Jenny, I got a call from your son, 10 o'clock last night. I was trying to go to bed. Her son's a, one of our students that's called to ministry. He said, hey, Chris, I, I was, there, there's, there's one of our kids that grew up in our ministry, and they're struggling. Would you, would you reach out to them? I love that watching, look, look, we, good things are happening. And I'm telling you, we are not in a bad spot as a church. But folks, we're not, are we faithful? Callie, are we faithful? Because their master's coming. And you may be here today, and you don't know Christ as your Savior like the two people that we talked to this weekend right here in our town. Oh, can I tell you that we're in a day of grace, that the work is going on, and we have the opportunity to, you have the opportunity to come to Jesus. Are you faithful? Would you come to me?